VGK Insider Show, hour number two rolling along here. Ryan Wallace out at the Oyo Hotel and Casino, hanging out at the Underground Lounge. Darren Millard back in Tampa Bay. We'll get him up in just a moment. But if you want to come down, I'm out here for one more hour. One more hour. And I have some swag for you. I've got Fox Sports t-shirts. I've got your chance to win tickets to see Riley Green. I've got a certificate for 92 White Castle sliders. I I don't know about you. I'm not sure if you could down 92 sliders in one sitting as one person, but if you could, boy, oh, boy, let's see it happen. If you want to try to do that, come on down, say hello, put your name in the hopper, and you could be rolling out of here with a certificate for 92 sliders. 92 sliders. Got to love that. Uh, Also, we've got $1 blackjack here at the Oil Hotel and Casino. Only casino on the strip doing that. You've got North America's largest Hooters. That is right there waiting in the wings for you. So a lot to love about the Oil Hotel and Casino. Always free parking. And you've got one more hour to get down here, say hello to me, and put your name in the hopper. Darren Millard, are you with us? If you are, say hello. That would be a no. So when you look at you know where the Golden Knights are at, we've talked about here this this is a, a five-game road trip. We, we touched on it earlier on in the show, first hour, uh, where you go out on the road, you have that first game against the Florida Panthers, and what you're hoping for, right, is, is one of those games where you play well, you get a result, and it takes some of the pressure off of the rest of the trip. And, you know, for the Golden Knights, unfortunately... It just was not their night last night. We, we, you know, we got into some of the assessment. Darren talked about it just being a flat game more so than it was a clunky game. I'm looking at it from the perspective of I, I didn't like the start from the Golden Knights. I thought that they, they, they did themselves a disservice. I had Darren Millard. Uh, not Darren Millard. I had Derek Englund on the pregame show, and, and his key going into it was a quick start. His, his, his key going into it was you jump on Florida. You put that team in a position where – you know, they, they are doubting themselves. And, and I think for me, more than anything, was the start for the game. I, I just wanted more from the Golden Knights in that spot. It didn't happen. And now you've got four games, two of which are, are against Tampa and Carolina in quick succession. And this is going to be an interesting test for the Golden Knights moving forward. I, I wasn't shocked that they were a little sluggish coming out last mm-hmm. night. Uh, against the the Florida Panthers uh, traveling across the the country having an off day uh, I thought it would take a little bit to get into the game uh, quite honestly uh, the second period uh, was one where I had earmarked as to okay this is really the start of the game for Vegas but but that didn't click into gear there was no switch that was flipped uh, for Vegas uh, and now you make it a little more difficult uh, if, if you want uh, 10 points out of this five game road trip, uh, now you have to be really good in the final four games and, and the next two in particular against top competition. So uh, that's one area that makes it more challenging. But I will I will point out Vegas is one of the top teams in the National Hockey League against the respective division winners uh, or leaders in the NHL mm-hmm. right now. And when you look at their record against the upper echelon uh, of the NHL, uh, I'm talking about the the Boston Bruins, who they split with uh, this year, uh, the the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, the the Carolina Hurricanes, who they beat last uh, week, the New Jersey Devils, who they got three or four points against. Uh, Vegas has a really really good record mm-hmm. against the top teams, 
which tells you that they can raise the level of their game. So it was was, was last night just a, a game that uh, that they weren't ready uh, to to play or couldn't find their game or couldn't find that emotion to be able to get into the game. Uh, might just be uh, as simple as that. But uh, I think when it comes to uh, the the elite teams in the National Hockey League, they've been incredibly adept at being able to uh, find the the right combination to be competitive. And that goes for the Tampa Bay Lightning as well, against the Tampa Bay Lightning mm-hmm. back, at, back at T-Mobile Arena. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to what they do as far as an answer for the uh, the flatness of the sluggishness last night. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. You look at what they've done, as you mentioned, they split with Boston. They they won the season series outright against Toronto. Uh, they, the worst they can do against Tampa is split. The worst they can do against Carolina is split. They split with New Jersey. Like The Golden Knights, against some of the best teams in the league, have been right there shift for shift, skate for skate, stride for stride. And and you know what? Like I take a lot out of that. I, I take that to mean that when you look at it, you know, pound for pound, the Golden Knights are right there with the best teams in the league, and they can beat anybody on any given night, even the upper echelon of which I think the Golden Knights should be considered. And yet, for whatever reason, we, we kind of like put Vegas just outside that, that upper echelon. And you know, to me, I think that's something that, that the Golden Knights, with a good showing the next couple of games, the final four of this road trip, maybe that conversation changes a little bit. Well, the, the, you have them just outside because the East is so dominant this sure, year. Yeah. That, that's the, the primary reason why. Uh, and, and I don't know there, if there's a Western Conference team that comes close to being in the mix with the Carolinas and the Torontos and the Tampa Bays. Uh, and the Boston Bruins, the New York uh, Rangers, uh, they get so much attention with the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils. It's been a, a season that where the attention and the focus in the National Hockey League has been from the uh, on the Eastern Conference from the start because of the Boston Bruins' uh, great uh, break from 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 the gate. Now uh, the the LA Kings uh, are right there. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche, we all assume, are coming. The Dallas Stars have been in a really good season. So uh, the, it, it, it's almost like two different leagues where, where you focus, and you have to you have to keep in mind that uh, that you got to get out of the West uh, before before you ever get to the East, and, and that doesn't really matter. But if you're gonna if you're gonna raise uh, uh, your rate your game uh, as the, as it compares to the the elite teams on that other side. Then, then Vegas has done a, a really good job uh, this year, and and uh, they're going to have to to make uh, some hay uh, with with that uh, track record against the top teams. They go into uh, this this week uh, right now uh, tied with with Los Angeles for top spot in the Pacific Division, yeah. and uh, they the LA Kings have played one more game th- than than Vegas, but both have eighty two points in Seattle. Uh, which also plays tomorrow night, like Vegas, uh, against the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Seattle uh, is two points back. Uh, it's a real dogfight. And the, the Edmonton Oilers are, are right there as well in, in, a, in a situation where they're, they're four points behind first place. It's, there's no room for, for slip-ups here. Vegas has two regulation losses since the All-Star break, mm-hmm. and they can't shake the Los Angeles Kings. They can't shake the Seattle Kraken. Uh, you, you, if you don't keep winning the way Vegas has been winning, 
you're going to be passed. That's just a reality of the way things are going for these other teams. And we do pay attention to the Eastern Conference a lot more. But the, the best race right now is in the Pacific Division. And, and it's wide open between four different teams. Yeah, you're you're right there, and and for me, like it's interesting because, you know, as you mentioned, you, you talk about LA, you talk about Seattle. Kings are on a four-game win streak. Seattle's on a five-game win streak. Like these teams are all winning right now, and the Golden Knights they they've dropped just as you mentioned, just two games in regulation over their last thirteen games, and yet, you know, they're they're, you know, I think I think at a good spot in terms of of punching their their ticket to the playoffs. They're in a good spot given where they're at in the standings, but you know, at this point, you've you've been at the top of the Pacific Division for the majority of the season. You want to continue to improve your standing. You want to continue to give yourself the best possible matchup coming into the playoffs. And for the Golden Knights, it's it's about trying to find ways to create that separation. And with the schedule the Golden Knights have, you, you cannot leave points on the table. You can't afford to repeat what happened last night. But you also have to fight through uh, different challenges that are going to pop up. Uh, if you missed it off the top of the show, in hour number one, Jonathan Quick was the only goaltender at practice today. Aiden Hill was kept off the ice, uh, bothered by a lower body injury. His status for tomorrow night is undetermined uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, didn't seem to be any big um, uh, panic or... Uh, uh, hyperness in Bruce Cassidy's voice today when, when he talked about it, and we'll hear from him in, in just a little bit. Uh, but they're they're monitoring that situation uh, with Aiden Hill. But very unusual that you'd only have one one goaltender out of practice uh, during the course of, of, of this road trip. Uh, so uh, that uh, that's something that we'll we'll keep an eye on. Also, Shade Theodore did not practice today. He's just uh, bumped, banged up a, a little bit uh, dealing with uh, a maintenance day. Uh, they do expect him uh, to be on the ice. Uh, tomorrow so that's the situation on the practice day in which the vegas school of the knights went at it pretty hard in brandon florida at the uh, training facility of the the tampa bay lightning it was a high tempo physical practice for the vegas school of the knights and bruce cassidy addressed that today as he spoke with ashley vice about the absences at practice as well as the tempo on the ice Bruce, uh, wanted to ask about a couple guys not on the ice, Aiden Hill and Shea Theodore. Yeah, Aiden's been dealing with a lower body injury, so, um, you know, we're keeping an eye on that, uh, see how he'll be tomorrow morning. And then, um, you know, it's good for Jonathan to get some good practice time, like some live work. Uh, hasn't had a lot since he's been here. Uh, so we'll make a decision on the goalie tomorrow. And then um, Shea was a maintenance day. Little, He's got a... a some bumps and bruises that we felt would be better off uh, giving them the day and then should be good to go, go tomorrow as well. You talked about Jonathan getting uh, a good amount of work in there. What were you going for with some of those battle drills and game simulation drills? That's it. Battles and game sim simulation stuff we weren't very good at yesterday. The, the battles down low, the net front coverage, especially the first, first and second period. Pucks came into the front of our net. We had people in the area, so that's good, but they weren't you know, there was no conviction in that area. So I thought, let's get after it today because Tampa's a very good offensive team. They will put pucks in there. They're very good at getting to the net. Um, and then on the flip side of it, offensively, didn't generate enough. So I just thought it was an off night for us in general. Even though it was a 2-1 to one game, we had certainly had a chance to win. Our power play could have, you know, maybe got us over the hump there in the third period. But at the end of the day, we weren't good enough in the slot battle. Uh, we talked about that all year. you got to win that battle if you expect to be a good team. And 
so we just revisited that. How did you feel they responded, at least in the practice setting? Uh, there's good energy. There always is. I mean, I think for months now, I think our team is in a good place in terms of mentally coming to the rink. They enjoy each other's company. We, you know, they're, they're working in practice, what we're trying to implement. Um, you know, we're still searching for that elusive 60-minute game. Um, you know, even when we were playing well in the last three weeks, getting points uh, a lot of those nights, I don't know if we had that full 60. Maybe since the dads left, we need to get them back perhaps. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, like I said, I think the players have been in a good place. And, um, you know, we just got to translate that into better energy on the ice and emotion. I think last night we certainly lacked some of that. Why is emotion especially important with an opponent like Tampa? Well, I think it's important for everybody, Ash. You play 82 games, you know, you're on the road, you're going city to city, and I just think because it's a physical game, the emotion is, is a big part of it. Now, you need to have skill and talent and composure and discipline. There's a lot of other things that go into it, and I think we have a lot of those. Our problem, I think, from times when we're not engaged in the game emotionally, someone has to pull us into that, whether it's the opposition or someone on our team to go mix it up. And last night, um, we didn't have a lot of that. so. Uh, Tampa, they've had their troubles as well lately, and they've they got to win last night against Philly. So I imagine that'll kickstart them. And they've been to the Cup three years in a row, so you better be ready to play when, when you go up against them. How much was that a part of your message? Well, that I think is they, they understand that. We go through the video and we're not good enough in battles that you know, we're talking about what we're going to see again tomorrow, and then you, you go do it on the ice. So... I mean, this time of the year, you don't want to have too many work days and an intense schedule, but, you know, Monday was a, a day off, and yesterday I didn't think we put the work in, so, you know, let's let's put the work in today and, and uh, make sure we, you know, um, bring that sort of attitude uh, into, into the arena tomorrow night against Tampa. That was a purpose practice today by the Vegas Golden Knights, and it hasn't happened a lot. Like in the old days, and when I say old days, you think back to the um, 80s, maybe maybe the early part of the 2000s, mm -hmm. the coaches would have practiced you and skated you hard yeah. in that type of scenario today. This would have been one of those practices where guys are looking around going, oh, 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 there's pucks, right? Please tell me there's pucks out there. <laughs> uh, I, I, I need to see a puck. Because if there wasn't any pucks around, you know you're in big trouble. No pucks. Yeah. Oh, we're going to skate back and forth. The scat back and forth. Uh, that's uh, that's gone by the wayside. They don't do that because uh, everybody's uh, really uh, the the sports science uh, rest is is a very very important weapon. But you can also you can still get your message across uh, with with a hard practice with pucks. And the, today was one of those. Uh, I, I, it was compete. It was it was high intensity practice uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights with uh, with a lot of uh, in-zone drills. You only had one goaltender, so you had to adjust your, your practice flow uh, a little bit more. Uh, but uh, but the battle drills and the compete drills uh, were, were, were evident that it was a next-level practice by Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, and I thought the, the kind of the point at the end there is is trying to find the right balance, right? Like, you certainly want to hammer in details. You certainly want to uh, make sure that you're providing ample rest, especially with a, a condensed schedule. But, you know, to hear Bruce Cassidy in, in the thought process going into it that, you know what, get your work in today, be ready and sharp tomorrow. I, I think that that's one of those things where, um, 
you know, you kind of go on the fly in, to, in, in how you're going to approach certain things. And I think for the Golden Knights, uh, the best case scenario is you get after it today in practice, you light that fire, and you hope that uh, there's an answer tomorrow in the game. Well, I'll be honest. Today's practice was a total reflection of the game last night. Mm. And it could have gone the other way. Like you could have either had an optional today or you could have had a, a, another day off uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, because of the intensity of this five-game road trip, uh, which in the next, uh, next four days you're going to play three games. Uh, but Bruce mentioned that the, it wasn't there last night, the intensity uh, and the uh, discipline uh, to, to put forward a, a really high-level effort. So uh, they, they went hard today. He felt like they had something in the tank and to be able to, to put it in. So I think that, that was, that was a, uh, a delivered uh, message from the head coach in the way they dealt it. And, and maybe that's why you think, okay, Shea Theodore's uh, back uh, and he's been, he's been their second best point producer uh, since he's been back, right behind Jack Eichel. Uh, since since the All Star break, uh, but he's got some bumps and bruises. Uh, Bruce Bruce knowing that they were going to go really really hard today uh, just keeps him out of that uh, to avoid any type of uh, 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 extenuating uh, the the bumps or bruises or uh, anything that might uh, might hold him back and, and and cause more problem because uh, it was I, I I enjoyed it but I enjoyed it like. Uh, in the sense of, boy, that that would be uh, a hard one to be out there today. One of those ones where you go, I wouldn't want to be one of those two guys, one of those uh, 18 skaters out there today, uh, going through that. Uh, it wasn't a day, let me put it another way. It wasn't a day where if you're the extra, like Ben Hunt, he, he skates, he puts in extra work at the end of every practice mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, with Misha Donska and the assistant coaches. Uh, today was one of those days where uh, you didn't have to put in the extra work at the end because everybody was pushed really hard uh, through the course uh, of that practice. And I like I like the message. I like that that being sent uh, to the players. And I like creating that uh, that level of uh, compete uh, out there going into a game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it gets everybody right in the same page and, and, and ready to go against the Tampa Bay team that uh, that won last night against Philadelphia and had a very competitive game with a lot of animosity. And we'll get to that in one-timers uh, in just a little bit, uh, in which there was a major league uh, <laughs> confrontation uh, in that game and, and, and brought the fight to the Tampa Bay Lightning in, in a lot of ways and, and will probably have a significant impact on, on uh, them trying to turn around what was a five-game losing streak uh, going into last night. And that they not only win, but they they light they lit a fire under the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, so we know that they're going to be ready and uh, and have a response off of last night. The Golden Knights went about it in, in a little different fashion as, as they try to bounce back. And uh, it's it's the modern coach and and what the modern coach has to do uh, and have at his disposal. And uh, I, I liked uh, I liked that response today. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see what what that means and how it translates tomorrow. As as you mentioned, I I think you you look at Tampa, you look at their game last night, you look at their response to that kerfuffle. Um, the last thing in the world that you want to do is awaken a sleeping giant, and that's exactly what happened with Tampa last night. Is kerfuffle not the greatest word? Yeah, it's a good word. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a fantastic it is, it word. It is awesome. I I I use it, but I have to use it in 
in areas that uh, that where it works, like the Tampa Bay Lightning Philadelphia Flyer situation, was not a kerfuffle. It was a confrontation. Uh, the the uh, altercation in the Golden Knights game last night with uh, Radko Gudis and uh, the Brett Houghton situation that was more of a kerfuffle. It was on the on the high end of a kerfuffle, like it was bordering on confrontation, but it wasn't quite quite there. It was still uh, a kerfuffle, and kerfuffle goes to. Uh, have I ever told you the story of, of why why I use that word? No. Okay, so. Uh, yeah, there we go. It's story time with Millard. So I'm, I'm a 17-year-old kid. Now imagine that, 17-year-old kid. I'm playing junior eight in Dauphin, Manitoba. And wow. uh, we get into a game, and I believe it was against the Celtics. All right. Well, story time with Darren Millard, unfortunately, is going to have to continue at some other that point. That was story time with... That was <laughs> fantastic. He's going to tell us about the uh, the origin story of Kerfuffle, and then uh, we we lose him. Chapman, yet you just had to play the stinger, right? I know, I know, right? Like, maybe if I don't uh, play... You go, you go hard <laughs> on the stinger, and yeah. all of a sudden, Darren drops out. Uh, listen, I think it's interesting um, that... And we'll touch on... The, the Tony D'Angelo, Corey Perry thing uh, in, in just a little bit. But, you know, more than anything, like I look at this and I, I say kerfuffle or not, conflict or not, whatever you want to say, the Philadelphia Flyers may have absolutely pulled the Tampa Bay Lightning out of the funk that they were in for the five games going into the one that they played last night against Philadelphia. And I, I wonder... As Darren points out, right, he's there, he's in Tampa, he saw the practice. When you bring the intensity up in practice, when you bring that level of, of detail and, and that level of compete in the practice, the big payoff you're hoping, right, is that you go into a game tomorrow against Tampa, you go into that game tomorrow against a team that's incredibly good. Uh, we know the skill that they have, how well they can play. I, I think that you're you're just wanting that to, to be ready 100%. For the Golden Knights, start tomorrow is going to be uh, incredibly important. And more than anything, like I look at that as an opportunity for the Golden Knights to lean into what it is their coach is telling them. And when Vegas has done that in the past, they've been just fine. Um, so I, I'm very much interested. I'm very curious uh, on two fronts. To find out the end of the kerfuffle story, really I am. Uh, and to figure out how the Golden Knights respond after dropping the game last night 2-1 to one to the Florida Panthers when they take on the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow afternoon. Take a break. Come back with one-timers next on the BGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. One-timers. News and notes from around the NHL. Ryan Wallace broadcasting live here from the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Still plenty of time to get down here. I've got your chance to win Riley Green tickets. Also, we'll give away some Golden Knights tickets at the end of this segment. But Chapman, yes. Chapman, 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 uh, did you see the play with Tony D'Angelo and Corey Perry? 
I I have not. I know you guys are talking about it. I have not seen it, but uh, I can only imagine it's as it's as good as advertised. If Tony D'Angelo got a two game suspension for it, yeah. Well, okay. Tony D'Angelo speared Corey Perry below the belt. That that is number one. Number Ooh. two, it's egregious. It's ridiculous. Tony D'Angelo in the moment got a a major was kicked out of the game, as he should have been. And as you mentioned, subsequently fined or suspended for two games. Um, it was the type of play that's just grimy and greasy. And it's so grimy and greasy that all four Tampa Bay Lightning players were on the ice outside of their goaltender, absent their goaltender, and of course, Corey Perry, who was on the ground in quite a bit of pain, um, just tackled Tony D'Angelo. And... And the beautiful thing about it is, like, there really wasn't too much resistance to the tackling of Tony D'Angelo in terms of his Flyers teammates. Like, you go out there, you do something grimy like that, you're going to get your comeuppance. It happened immediately. Good on the Tampa Bay Lightning. But boy, oh boy, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting conundrum in that you've got a player in Tony D'Angelo who I think is widely unlikable. I don't know that there's too many people standing up to bat for Tony D'Angelo outside of maybe John Tortorella, right? <laughs> like, and that's because you have to. You're John Tortorella. Like, you have to stand up for your guy. You just do. But the best part about this is, like, Tony D'Angelo does this to Corey Perry, who is a widely unlikable guy, too. I love Corey Perry, and it's, it's taken me a long time to get here, Chapman. It's taken me a long time to appreciate the, the worm, the sliminess of Corey Perry. It's taken me a long time to view him in a positive light over the course of my hockey watching career and Corey Perry's hockey playing career. But like when you can do something as grimy and dirty to a player like Corey Perry, who is, again, widely unlikable and, and for a lot of different reasons, and yet nobody's on your side, it gives you an idea of just how much people do not like Tony D'Angelo. Well, yeah, and first off, I can I can certainly understand your how it took you a while to get there with 100%. Corey Perry, right? Yeah. I mean, you were a Kings fan, and sure. he was a thorn in the side of the L.A. Kings for... Slap right. shots on breakaways, all the <laughs> yeah. things, man. All oh, the I'll things. never forget that. Oh, wonderful, wonderful stuff. I think, was that Malcolm Subban in net for that? Yeah, um, maybe. But, it was five years ago, buddy. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a comical, comical moment, but... You know, the, 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 the crazy thing about this is Tony D'Angelo wore a pride jersey before he got suspended this year. I would not have had that on my Tony D'Angelo bingo card. Fair point. It's a fair point. Now, I will say this. I don't like it because of what it means for the Golden Knights. Like, the Tampa Bay yeah. Lightning were sputtering. And, and I cautioned everybody that even though Tampa had lost five in a row, even though... The Stars were benched for a third period, and then they followed that game up with just getting run out of the building by the Carolina Hurricanes. Even though it looked bleak for Tampa, they've been to three Stanley Cup Finals. They've won two of them, and they are a team that should always get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to coasting through an 82-game season. Not every game is equal. Not every game means as much, especially to a team as seasoned as Tampa, to me, those five games, it was just, all right, you know what? We're going to get through it. It'll be fine. We'll turn it on when we need to. And then Tony D'Angelo goes and spears Corey Perry. 
And all of a sudden, the Tampa Bay Lightning are just like, no, we're out of it now. Like, we've come out of our slumber. We have decided that we are going to amp our game up. And they absolutely filled in Philadelphia. And, and, and now the Golden Knights are going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning team that is back in the fight. That's going to be real interesting to see if, if this incident, this, this Tony D'Angelo moment of clarity, if it sparks something and Tampa goes on a run here. Well, yeah, we're, we're at that time of the season where the Tampa Bay Lightning tend to flip a switch. Yeah. Uh, they were they were reeling a bit, though, and, and they were in a, in a real funk, uh, getting blown out in consecutive games um, over and over um, the last couple couple nights, and then this happens. Yeah, it's, it's a spark. It's one of those moments where you're like, if you're the Golden Knights, you're like, well, now we know we're going to get the very best of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Forget the fact that the Golden Knights beat them not too long ago here mm-hmm. at T-Mobile, mm-hmm. but... Now you have an angry Tampa Bay Lightning team. I don't know what that means for tomorrow night because I know the Golden Knights, they're not happy with the way they played last night either, so they're probably going to come out and play much better game than they did last night. But I was going to take a guess. I would say tomorrow night is going to be a lively and a fun hockey game between these two teams. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Let's go to the San Jose Sharks because we'll pull on the thread of angry NHL players. We've talked. (laughs) Good one. Uh, we've talked about Tony D'Angelo. We've talked about Corey Perry. We've talked about that. But Eric Carlson having the season of his life, right? He's been fantastic. Probably is the front runner for the Norris Trophy, even though he's not going to play in the playoffs, even though the San Jose Sharks have been pretty bad this season. But Eric Carlson was big mad yesterday. I mean, like, legitimately livid. He takes a high stick from Colorado Avalanche forward Alex Newhook. It goes uncalled. Uncalled. And and it makes matters worse because Carlson's bleeding from the mouth. Like you can't you can't sell that. You, you take a high stick, you eat it in the mouth. Eric Carlson deserves the benefit of the doubt there. He's a veteran, he's been around a long time. You gotta find a way to make that call. It's egregious that it goes uncalled. Now Carlson goes to the bench, clearly upset, mad, angry. Takes his helmet off, throws it on the ice, gets a 10-minute misconduct. Like, I don't know about you, Chapman. I think when the refs miss calls, like, there's got to be some decision or some way that we can have those types of missed calls spoken to after the game. We talk to coaches after games. We talk to players after games. There are moments within hockey games where referees will miss a call here or there. They'll be looking at it. We'll think that they're looking at it. I think that there should be, and I don't know, maybe you feel differently, accountability in that regard where you have referees at least go to a podium after a game. Not every referee in the game. Maybe you appoint one, whatever it might be, but you have at least the opportunity to address missed calls. Well, if not that, maybe have a central person, like a PR person who's from Toronto, who speaks on all of the missed calls or all of the poor calls. Maybe some nights there's two or three. On other nights, maybe there's none. But the funny thing is, I I thought what Carlson said after the game about, like, they didn't even come over and say, hey, hey man, sorry, we missed this one. He's like, and, and he said he felt very disrespected. Sure, yeah. And the thing is, Eric Carlson's a guy who, who, as you mentioned, is having the season of his life. He shouldn't have to throw his helmet on the ice to get the attention of the of the league and the officials 
for a call that was so egregiously missed. It, it was it was a really poor job by the officials, and I understand rules are rules, right? If if that if that's what he does, then there needs to be some type of punishment. But I'm, I'm behind Eric Carlson 100% here because how that was missed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is is beyond comprehension. I mean, we've seen it a lot this season. I, I can't remember who it was for the Golden Knights. Was maybe it was Riley Smith was bloodied up, and they missed it. Like, the guy just doesn't start bleeding for no reason. He clearly took a stick to the face if he's bleeding. But I'm, I'm with Eric Carlson here. It, it, it certainly seemed like maybe not intentionally disrespectful to him. I could understand why he would feel that way. And the yeah. lack of an explanation or the lack of a, hey, man, we, we, we're sorry we missed this. He's absolutely right. And... If I'm David Quinn, I'm standing behind my player as well because, I, I mean, I don't have to like the Sharks. I don't have to be that guy who brusts out the San Jose Teal pom-poms. But when something's egregious, you yeah. got to call it out. And I felt like Carlson, w w it was a bit unjust that he was just, that he was handed out the, the, the misconduct and the punishment. But he's 100% right. Yeah, it's been a rough, uh, rough week, really, for the San Jose Sharks and uh, their issues with the official San Jose Sharks coach David Quinn has been fined twenty-five thousand dollars for conduct demeaning the officials, that resulted in David Quinn being thrown out of their game on Saturday, March fourth. Did you see that video, Chapman? No, no. Oh I boy. I, oh, I, oh, well, I did see him get thrown out. Yes, yeah. It's probably about $5,000 per F-bomb. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that's, um, that's my... If Listen, if you're going to get... Get your tossed, money's worth. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Get your money's worth. And David Quinn certainly did. Um, obviously didn't like the officiating in that game. Uh, listen, I, I'm all on the side of, of Eric Carlson. And really, to a degree, like, it's not so much that you just expect those players to get the calls. When it's egregious, when it's there in front of you, when you can clearly see that there's been damage done, it, it wasn't a situation where you're looking at it like, ah, it's friendly fire. Like, you got to get high-sticking calls. It, like, generally speaking, you've got to get those right. Well, yeah, you've got to get you, them every single gotta time. You've got to protect the guy's face and the guy's I head. You know, yeah. I mean, this is a game where head injuries are, are a real serious problem. And when they miss something to the face or the head, that's that's not good. Like like, and I'm I'm generally not. I I think of all the major sports, yeah, outside of baseball because that's a little bit different. But I tend to think that the that the NHL has better refs, and I feel like they miss less or call better things than the NFL and the NBA. Like those two sports sometimes are unwatchable mm -hmm. because officials take over games and. The fact that I know the names of these guys is bad. I don't need to know your name. If I know your name, that's because you're infamous. And I think in the in the NHL, I feel like I know fans don't really feel that way. But I think for the most part, the ref the refs are pretty good. It's the inconsistencies that bug me. And it doesn't matter if it's hockey, if it's soccer, if it's football. I just want it to be consistent. If you're going to call it hard and you're, you're going to be really strict with the interpretation of the rules in the first period, then you need to be like that in the third period. But to be missing high sticks, that's just embarrassing. Like, I mean, I understand it's a fast game, but those are things that should not be missed. I agree with you. Uh, last night, the Pittsburgh Penguins were... 
Oh boy, they were trailing the Columbus Blue Jackets four to nothing. Four to nothing. And then in an unfortunate turn of events, Elvis Merzlikens has to leave the game because he's, he's sick. In comes Michael Hutchinson. And the final score, Chapman, I don't know if you saw this, the final score was a 5-4 overtime victory for the Pittsburgh Penguins. A couple of different ways to approach it. The Penguins uh, absolutely need the win. They are in a battle right now in terms of the wild card positioning in the Eastern Conference. They are holding down that final spot. You've got Florida in the mix, Ottawa in the mix, Buffalo in the mix. Uh, I'm not putting the Capitals in the mix, but you know, some people might. So there's a lot going on right there. The Penguins absolutely had to come back. Sidney Crosby, a goal, two, uh, two assists, three points, like leads the charge. Obviously, you feel for Michael Hutchinson, who's, who's getting like a chance in the NHL. Unfortunately, that chance is with the Columbus Blue Jackets, not exactly the most buttoned-up team in the league by virtue of where they're at right now in the standings. By the way, they are leading the charge for Connor Bedard. Um, like... Are you surprised that the Penguins like have not clicked really this year? Yeah, I mean they've gone through some some things, you know, injury wise, but for the most part, it, it, it is a bit surprising. And we we have a, a mantra on this show where we don't ever count them out. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. man, it would be really something if they missed the playoffs. I I still I I won't say they're out until they're officially eliminated. Like I don't care if they need ten points in their last ten games in order to get there. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna count them out. But yeah, it's a bit surprising that they have not been better. Um, you know, Ryan, and, and for Columbus, I I really start to wonder if they don't get Connor Bedard, mm-hmm. is Johnny Goudreau gonna regret signing with the Columbus Blue Jackets instead of the New Jersey Devils? No, I think he'll be fine. I mean, sure, the paycheck is fine, but yeah. you want to win. Hey, you also want to be closer to family. Well, New Jersey's a lot closer than Columbus. All I'll say is, so is Philadelphia. Yeah, well, but I mean, like, that, there's that's only a so Chuck much. Fletcher there's thing, there's you know? only so much you can do when you, when you don't clear the cap space to sign the guy. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do, right? So, um, I, I mean, I think for Johnny Gaudreau, like he he got to the situation he felt was best for him, and I don't know that you've got buyer remorse just one year into the deal. I, I think that you know two, three years of this might be an issue, but I also think that Yarmo Kekalainen is going to do his best to try to make Columbus a destination and try to turn this thing around for them. Should they get Connor Bedard? All of a sudden, like, well, things there change. you go. Drastically change. Yeah. But if exactly. they don't... You've still got Patrick Laine. Like, you've still got pieces there. I don't think um, that, that anyone was expecting Columbus to be as bad as they are this year, but, uh, like, let me put it to you this way. I have more faith in the Columbus Blue Jackets to turn things around than I do in the Vancouver Canucks or the Arizona Coyotes. Like, I think Columbus is actually going to try to get better. I think you're right there. The question is, can they can they attract free agents? And the young guys they've got coming up, I mean, we, we still don't know what the situation is with Alex Teixeira, right? If he's going to be back next year or not. I mean, he was a good young player for them. And for him to, to, to not be there the entire season, obviously, they took a hit with that. But... I, I wonder if this team has the capability to draw. And sure, you, you got Johnny Goudreau, mm-hmm. but Columbus is a place guys seem to want to leave oh, when they get there. So mean. Well, well I, I mean, look, Artemi Panarin wanted out. Yeah, he wanted to play in New York. Pierre-Luc like, Dubois wanted out. Yeah. And, yeah well, but, but they well, were listen, good and, when these guys left. That's the problem. Like, this, they, they were... They were 
when they had Tortorella and they beat the Lightning in the playoffs. Okay, that was a good they team. They were they were middle of the pack. They were mediocre, as most John Tortorella teams are. <laughs> and they got themselves into the playoffs, and they played to their strengths of being that team that plays you two to two and hopes to win in in, in overtime. And they caught the Lightning, thinking it was going to be easy. Like I, I, I don't, I don't. But they were at view... the ball. They were in the dance. Were they though? Like really? They were there. Chapman, they beat they beat Tampa and everyone knew. Everybody knew they were losing that next series. It may have been smoke and mirrors, but but now they're the worst team in the league. Chapman, there's a difference between being in the playoffs and being in the playoffs with no chance of winning. The Columbus Blue Jackets were in the playoffs with no chance of winning. But you can't win if you're not there. I know, but you 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 have no chance if you're not there either though. I covet where Columbus is right now. More so than, than where they were a couple of years ago, just getting into the playoffs and getting smoked in the first round. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Now, in the, in at the, least the, now the... they've got a lottery ticket, perhaps, that can cash in Connor Bedard, and the next time they make it to the playoffs, they actually have a chance to do something. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I, yeah, ju- I just I don't, don't see it getting much better for them. Who makes the playoffs? Uh, who make who makes those two wild card spots? You've got the the Islanders and the Penguins in there right now. Florida, Ottawa, Buffalo, right around there. Who do you who do you like? Well, I'm I'm definitely not counting out the Penguins, so I think they're in. Okay. I think they'll they'll get one of those spots. I I my my heart says the Islanders, or my heart says Buffalo, but my brain says the Islanders. I'm pulling for the Sabers to make the playoffs. They got to get Alex Tuck back. But um, look. I think you and I both would love mm-hmm. to see Buffalo make the playoffs. I am right there with you. What What are the tickets, Chapman? What do we get? What do we got to get? Uh, Calgary on the 16th. So that's the first home game when they come home. When the Golden Knights come home from the uh, long road trip. Uh, okay. So it's next week, next Thursday. Pair of tickets to Vegas and Calgary. 702-876-1340. That's the number. Caller number seven. You're a winner. Those are your one timers for today, Wednesday. March 8th. We're back to wrap it up next. Fox Sports, Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. You know, Ryan, I, I am a big chicken sandwich guy. And okay. someone, someone, Damon, who works here at Lotus Broadcasting, he's on Raider Nation Radio, he told me, about a chicken sandwich. Now, okay. I, I know I've heard their spots play on our station, so I'm not doing anything wrong by saying the name of the place. Okay. But I went to Wingstop yesterday sure. and got their chicken sandwich. Yeah. It delivered, man. It was oh, yeah? good. Like the huh. like the the meal itself was good. It was it was fries. It was the chicken sandwich. Can't go wrong there. They had I went to the one over on Spring Mountain and um what is it? Like basically rainbow in between. Yeah, yeah. Rainbow and Spring Mountain. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I walk in, they had the Simpsons on the television, oh, so oh, I was already digging that it. That brings it up like three percentage points. Absolutely. And the, the, the kid behind the counter was like, hey, man, he's like, he's like, it's going to be about 15 minutes. I'm like, look, dude, you got the Simpsons on. I'll wait. It was a great episode. Yeah. Homer becomes best friends with Ned Flanders. But the chicken sandwich, it delivered. It was good. Yeah. I, I, I was a little unsure, but I like their wings in general. Sure. The chicken sandwich, it was good. So if you're out there driving around town and you want to try a chicken sandwich, wing stop. It's good. I got the lemon pepper. Oh. It, it hit the spot. Lemon pepper? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not a huge spicy, spicy guy. But next time, I think I'd get original. Yeah. Got to go with I'd that. I'd have gone original. Yeah. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for us here today. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>